Hey everyone, before we get into today's talk, we just wanted to take a moment and say thanks. Thanks for listening and thank you for all your support. And if this is the first time you're hearing this podcast, we just want to let you know that we are a church that meets in the Greenville area in South Carolina. We are really passionate about faith, creativity, culture, and building community. Our heart is that this podcast brings added value to your life, as well as it helps you in your own journey of faith and understanding the human experience. And with that, let's get right to it. But we are loving being in the South. We genuinely love it here. Um, and it really, what really took it to a whole nother level is going to 30A in Florida on the beach. That just made it like, oh, this is special here. This is a special place. But, but in all seriousness, um, we, we have enjoyed living here. Um, this area's received us. I mean, every time you step outside, the air welcomes you. It embraces you and makes sure you know that you're well-loved and covered well. Some power of the humidity. Um, but in all seriousness, we just want to say thanks. We're so grateful to be here. It's hard to state how thankful and grateful we are to be here. And we're actually coming up, for Candace and I, we're coming up on our one-year anniversary of moving across the country to a completely brand-new city that we knew not many people. And that's coming up. We're excited about that day. I don't know what we'll do on that day. We'll do something, something special. But for the last four months, we've actually been been building towards something. And it never ends. I mean, we're, we have this special time on earth as humans. And what we get to do is really, um, it's a privilege of a lifetime, and that's to follow Jesus as a human being. There's going to come a time where you won't have to endure the brokenness of the world to be with Jesus, for those of you that have confessed him as your King and Lord and Savior. So the privilege of a lifetime is so deeply entwined with living in a broken world as humans and as we've got our stuff that we have to work through. We have our broken areas. We have our areas that are shortfall. Then we have other areas that are great. We're just made up of a lot of things. And in that experience, for, to be in a room of people that choose to follow Jesus is one of the greatest privileges to be alive. And it's one of the greatest privileges individually to say yes to Jesus, say yes to a king in the midst of the human experience. And if you've been alive, which you obviously have in the last four or five years, I would just say the human experience right now is very interesting. Living in America right now and everywhere we look, there's just utter chaos and confusion and just there's, there's just drama and dilemmas everywhere. But yet in the midst of that, we get to say yes to him. It's one of the greatest privileges of life. This last week, we were on the beach, as you know. We made it very clear. We loved it. And I was walking, I was walking on the beach, and my wife and Candace and I and our oldest daughter is with us. And I'm just walking where the ocean meets the land. You know, the water comes up and it recedes. Just, I'm walking in that space, and I'm just enjoying just this moment of solitude. And the sun was behind me, and it's casting my shadow in front of me. So I'm literally walking, somewhat chasing my shadow. And I, I realized my shadow had actually been in the works for thousands of years. Like that moment where that shadow is hitting the ground, 
realized that some say even maybe up to 100,000 years, something had to take place in order for that shadow to happen. They say in the, the core of the sun, all this activity is going on. Things are crashing into each other. Things are exploding. And it produces what we call photons, which is what we also call light. And they say it takes 10,000 up to 100,000 years for these photons to eventually get to the surface of the sun. And once it gets to the surface of the sun, it emits out what we call light. And that light traveled 93 million miles across the span of space. And if it dodges every asteroid, meteoroid, or any UFO, if there is any, if it dodges planets, if it makes it around, it eventually pierces through the atmosphere of the Earth. And whatever it hits, it took eight and a half minutes to leave the sun to get to you. So essentially, when you look at the sun, even for a split second, you're looking at something that's already eight and a half minutes old. So we live in this fascinating world where the universe is so expansive. No wonder why deep inside of our soul we long for something. And the night sky, I don't know about you, but when I look at the night sky and I look out there and when I get my binoculars or telescope or any magnifying device and I look into space, it's almost like no wonder why the deep parts of me long for something more. Because we were designed for more. We were designed to long for something. It's so hardwired into our physical body. What's also intriguing to me is we're made up of skin, of tissue, of muscle, and a variety of liquids, and, and we can touch and feel, but yet there are things we, we can't see, but we know it's there. And I'm not talking about the insides of your body. We're actually designed to sense something to sense a different dimension, a different realm. Some of you have experienced it in a negative way. You're walking down an alleyway and you can just tell something is watching you. In other words, if you can sense you go into spaces and you realize, wow, there's something light in the air. And you look around and everything looks normal. See, we're designed to sense and feel. So if that's true, which I believe it is, then you actually can be influenced, shaped, or filled by something from another dimension. You see, before the cross, before Jesus showed up on earth, as you read the scriptures and you read the stories, there's, there's all these precursors, there's all these teasers, there's these trailers. Some of them are longer and some of them are just a couple seconds long, but when you read the stories in, in the, what we call the Old Testament, which is basically the book of Genesis up to the book of Malachi, and in these books, there's all these stories, and they're just fascinating me. One of them that's always intrigued me for at least the last 20 years is a guy named Moses had, a, had multiple times and moments with God. And in these moments with God, God would sh show him what he wanted. And there's a, you can read about a lot of, not every encounter, but many of them. And, and in one space, Moses gets this, what we would call a download. And the download was this, that God essentially said, Moses, I want to be among you. I don't want to just be in the cosmos. I don't want to just be something that's distant. I actually want to be amongst you, amongst my people. 
And so Moses gets to download, and in a way, Moses says, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to build something. I don't, I don't have the skill set. I don't have the ability to build something for you to inhabit. And God said, don't worry. I've got a plan. There's a guy in your nation. His name is Bezalel. Go get him. So Moses searches for the guy named Bezalel, and, and Bezalel comes to Moses, and Moses, hey, listen, I just met with God, and he said to bring you, and, and something's going to happen. He's going to do something. And so this moment takes place in Exodus where it says God put his spirit in Bezalel, in wisdom and understanding and in all manner of workmanship. So here you have a precursor of what's to come and what's to be normal at some point in the human story. Then you fast forward a little bit and you get a little bit deeper into the nation of Israel and their history, they're more established, and you have who we call the wisest man of all time. His name was Solomon. And Solomon was incredible on so many levels. He wrote three books, or at least contributed a majority to one of them, but three books are accredited to him. It's Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. Three very different books. It's hard to believe that it came from the same guy, these three books. And Solomon wanted to build a temple because his father David, it was in his heart to build a temple. What I want you to see here, God built a tabernacle, a tent through Bezalel, but fast forward, he wanted more of a permanent residence of an actual structure and a building. Some scholars tell us today that if Solomon were to build the temple in today's era, it would be worth potentially up to hundreds of billions of dollars. Talk about price per square foot. And so Solomon built this temple. There's more gold. They have a hard time quantifying. There's major debates amongst theologians and scholars about how much gold actually there was. All we know, there was a lot. There was just a lot, let alone the silver, the cedar, all the different material and elements that were required to build this temple. And then you get to the part in the story where they have open house. They have their, their first gathering. Imagine what that was like, walking into this space. And the first gathering, and, and they do their thing, and then all of a sudden, God shows up. And the result of God showing up was people could not get off the ground. There was such a heavy presence of God. So for one man, he gave him the ability to create. To another place, he gave the ability to inhabit and to occupy a space. Then you move into another part of the human story, and you have another character named Samson. And I realize some of you grew up in church, well, this is a very familiar story. It's an intriguing, it's a very peculiar, odd story where I don't know what God was thinking on the day he created Samson in his heart and mind, but he had this idea, and I don't know if it went like this, but this is my imagination. He grabbed his, you know, his archangels, his head, head angels, and said, Michael, I got this idea. I'm going to create a guy. His name is Samson, and he's going to be incredibly strong, but he'll only be strong if his hair stays long. I think Michael's all, well, that's creative. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a unique way of doing it, but sure, why not? So God creates Samson. And it's a very fascinating story. There's a verse I want to read to you. I'll just read it to you. <clears throat> Judges chapter 14, verses 5 through 6. Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother. 
and came to the vineyard of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring at him. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on Samson, and he tore the lion apart with his bare hands like it was a young goat. So one guy, when the Spirit comes on, he creates. To another guy, he built the most exotic, exquisite building ever built so God could inhabit. And for Samson, he would give him this odd, oddly powerful strength when the Spirit was on him. These are all precursors. Some of you like Samson, I'll take that one. I would really like that. Every high school football player would love the Samson gift. Then there's another guy named Philip in the New Testament. And Philip was a follower of Jesus. And one day he's walking, and you can read it in the book of Acts, and, and the Spirit of the Lord tells Philip, go to that man in the chariot. So Philip's like, all right. So he runs over, and he, he goes through this chariot. And in the chariot is an Ethiopian man who was the treasurer for the queen of Ethiopia, whose name was Candace. That's why Candace is called the queen around our house. And the Spirit of the Lord comes on Philip and says, go to him. He needs help understanding what he's reading. So Philip goes to, hey, and the, 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 the treasurer was reading, the Ethiopian man was reading a part of the Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. And so the God sends Philip over and said, help him understand. And so the rest of the story goes where Philip begins to unpack, begins to explain to this man, this is what you're reading. So for one man, God showed up, he creates. For another man, he builds. And for one man, he becomes strong. For another man, it's to help someone understand God. So you've got all these stories of what happens when the Spirit of God shows up on people. Two more, and then we'll slowly descend. There's another character, one of my favorites in Scripture, and I hope to teach on this more in the future, but there's another character. His name is Gideon. Now, Gideon's a fascinating character because he ended up being one of the greatest warriors in all of Scripture, and let alone the human story. But he didn't start out that way. He actually came from the smallest tribe. He was the least of the least. And this unlikely man become one of the greatest warriors. And it's, it's a fascinating story. But he starts off with thousands and thousands of men that were going up against an army. The description of the sheer size of the army he was going up against was the number of the sand on the seashore. And so Gideon is trying to think, i got to get a lot more guys. And God says, no, that's way too many. I'm going to reduce your army. And you all won't tell you the whole story, but he reduces it down to 300 men. And God says, that's the right number. That's the army that's going to win. It's a fascinating story. But there's this moment I want to read to you. It's in Judges chapter 6. It said, the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. And he blew the ram's horn, and the Abizrites rallied behind him. The word there, come upon Gideon, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, actually means to be enveloped. It also can be understood to be put on, like a glove. What's the point? The Holy Spirit thought, right now, I'm going to put on Gideon as a costume. He didn't just come on Gideon, he actually occupied the entire space of who Gideon is and was. And so when he blew that ram's horn, all the armies got behind him because he was the man for the moment. So one man creates, another man builds, another man helps someone, and in Gideon's case, 
he actually become one of the greatest leaders that that nation needed in that moment because of the spirit. Last but not least, Mary, the mother of Jesus. That angel showed up to Mary and said, Mary, you've been chosen. You are the favored and chosen one. You're going to give birth to the Messiah, to King Jesus. And the verse said the spirit overshadowed her. I want you to see something here. If there is a photon light traveling 93 million miles through our known universe, what do you think happened when the Spirit of God leaves the eternal dimension and entered into our dimension? You have to understand something here. We have reduced the Holy Spirit down to a warm, fuzzy experience. And some of us long for the warm, fuzzy experience. And I think they're beautiful and wonderful. Sometimes those moments are what gets your heart right. So I don't want to downplay it, but let's not reduce God who has traveled through all the dimensions of everything in existence to hit you, and you, we reduce it down to, I just want to have a sweet moment with him right now. God is so much more vast than that. He illuminates your soul because you're so long to be illuminated. He illuminates your mind because your mind longs to think like Jesus. He illuminates your life because you were designed to be occupied. You were designed to do things that are not humanly possible. Everything God calls you to is possible because he knows no impossibility. When he says, I see this on your life, he's not standing next to you looking at your future. He is in your future saying, I'm already where you are. I want you to understand something. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he's going through all the dimensions instantly. There's no delay. There's no time going by. The moment you turn your heart to Jesus, the moment you confess him as your Lord, the Holy Spirit says, I am now going to occupy this human. And what they're going to do, the shadows they cast, the stuff coming from their life, it's endless. It's endless because the Spirit wants to occupy every cell of your being. And yet we're satisfied with a couple good songs and a warm, fuzzy moment, and they're wonderful. But I'm telling you, it's so much vast, more vast than this. If I could do anything tonight, it's to put a hunger inside of you. It's to stir something up inside your soul, because your soul is begging for it. But your own self is holding you back. Your own limitations are keeping you in the same spot, because someone told you or you've been formed and shaped but you're not being formed and shaped by him. So let's ask the question, why would God put his spirit in you? What's the point? Why would he put his, himself in you? Some people are like, well, because we're so screwed up. He's trying to salvage his creation. <laughs> Believe it or not, a lot of theologies line up with that thought. Yeah, we're so jacked, and he's got to salvage it. It's just a big old junkyard. He's just trying to make it look pretty until the end times. It's amazing how many theologies are based on that thought process right there. So let's ask the question, why would God go through all of this to live in you? Some of you are like, I don't know. I've never thought about it. 
I actually think it's really simple. It's profound. It's so deep. It's ridiculous. But I believe there's three reasons why. If there are more, great, more power to you. But I believe it can be summed up in my best effort. These are the three reasons why God is putting his spirit in you. The first one is this, so you would know him. So that you, his creation, that had been hardwired with a void in their soul. So you would put your faith in him so he could occupy your soul. So you could know him as a father. You could know him as your creator. You could know him that he takes anything dead in your life and makes it alive again. He wants you to know him as that God. And he'll play it straight with you. Second reason is that you and I can actually cannot follow Jesus unless the Spirit is in us. It's not even possible. You, you can't actually follow Jesus unless the Spirit is living inside of you. Jesus said this before. This is literally his last words in John chapter 14, verses 15 and 17. If you love me, you will keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remained with you and will be in you. Who's he talking to? He's talking to his disciples. He's saying, guys, I'm going to leave because they were able to follow because Jesus was present with him. And they were worried. And Jesus was not worried, but he realized they need the spirit of God. So don't worry, guys. When I go, the Spirit's going to come, and he's going to help you follow me for the remainder of your days. And it doesn't just say your human life. It says forever. Don't think that when we cross over to the other side, it's done. Don't think that, man, once we pass our, our time on our path and we step into this space that we call eternity, we just sit on some cloud and call it good. No, it's the beginning of everything the Spirit longs to teach you. So what you get in this lifetime is within the context of a broken world and the human experience. There's no resistance once you cross the other side. So the ability to follow Jesus is not a list of rules. And some of us have, have resorted to a, a high level of morality saying, this is my way of following Jesus. And so we live our life, if I keep these morals, you can always tell when you're driven by high morality thinking is when you use it to reveal that you're better than someone else's morality. You can always tell when you're operating out of the religious spirit is when your goal is to be right. You can also tell if you're operating out of the political spirit when your goal is to win. And so a lot of us are just operating out of religious motives and political motives. Like, my goal is to be right, and my goal is to, be, is to win. I'm not going to lose, and I'm never going to be wrong. And so we elevate our morality to the point, and if someone doesn't meet our standard of morality, we make sure they get the brunt of the result of punishment because they didn't follow our standards of morality. 
So we think following Jesus is just having high morals and we just stick to the guns. Morals are a huge part of the equation, but if you think it's just a list of rules, we've missed the whole point. The Spirit of God is the one that teaches us how to actually follow him. Some of you, I see lights going on. You're like, wow, I did not know this. That's good. That's why we're talking about it. Our goal is to grow together. Our goal is to go deeper together. The third reason, it's definitely not the least, is to see the kingdom come. It's to actually see God come. Jesus said, as it is in heaven, let it be here. Not just to see it, but to be participators in it, to be players in it, to actually see the kingdom come through our life and through our action, through our word and through our ideas and through our motions that we will see the kingdom come. And one of the great challenges, I'm going to just be vulnerable for a moment here, and we're brand new to the South, as you all know, and been here, we're not quite local, I know it takes some time, and I wish we could fast forward, but I'm also enjoying the process and the journey, and it's been fascinating hearing the longings of people, and it's not bad, it's not even, it's just an observation, it's, it's actually beautiful, because it helps me to understand the currency, the material, the vibe, if you will. And every city and state has its own thing. But one thing I've noticed here, there's such a longing to do the stuff. Like, let's, let's do the stuff, man. Let's, let's see people get healed. Let's prophesy. Let's, let's do the stuff. And if you know anything about me and my own history, I'm all about the stuff. We gave our life to build a place that is world known to do the stuff. But I've also seen that same power destroy people's lives because they didn't know him and they didn't know how to follow him. So we don't get the character development that we need and we just simply do it out of performance and egos. Because we want to be the one that entered the room and said, I've got another testimony. Do any of you have a testimony? And we start wearing notches on our belt about how many dead people we raised from the dead. And it, we've forgotten that it's also about knowing him. The power that's in your life, the spirit that's resident in your soul is so you could know him, know how to follow him, and do the stuff. And my desire, my longing for this house, for this place that's being built literally from the ground up, is that we be a people that desire to know him. And, and to let him make himself known in our life. And we would, be, we would be the crazy people that choose to follow him in the midst of a crazy, broken society. And I think one of our greatest challenges is this next election. This next election is going to be a beautiful opportunity for us to know God and to follow Jesus not a political party. Politics are important. We need to vote. I get all that. But I'm telling you, where you can, some of you already can feel the angst in the air around this election that a little bit weighs out. But I pray that you and I would choose to center our lives around Jesus first. I wish it was as easy as this, just saying that. But we all know it's complicated. There's so many layers to this conversation. But my dream is that we be a church that we're able to know him, know how to follow him, and we do the stuff. Now, here's the bizarre part of this whole conversation. 
the scariest verse in the Bible for me. This is my personal scariest. Jesus says this. He said, many will say to me on that day, I cast out devils, I raised the dead, I healed the sick, and I did all these things. And Jesus said, and I will tell them, I never knew you. Which, that's hor- terrifying on every level. Like, my body is terrified of that. But what's even more crazy, you can do the stuff. You can still do the stuff and not know God. If I were God, that wouldn't be an option. I would not set it up that way. I would not set it up to, you know what? If they get to do the stuff, they have to know me. But see, that's the point. Obviously, I'm not God, but then it wouldn't be a choice anymore. The only thing God has no control over in your life is your choice. The only thing. Now, he's good at motivating you. He's good at helping you make a great choice. But the only thing he doesn't own is your choice. That's yours. So you can do the stuff and you can use that lifestyle to justify your relationship with him. The problem is if you don't have one, you're about to find out. So the reason why I'm addressing the spirit of God in the way that we're addressing it in the last period of time is I want to make sure we're not just rushing to do this stuff, but we're also recognizing the spirit actually in us crossed all the dimensions, traveled through that, moved through that to come into your soul so you could know him, you know how to follow him, and you get to walk in the power that we have promised in the book of Acts and beyond. The Spirit of God is not an app that we open up and choose our settings and preferences. I like this color scheme. I'm going to go with that one. And I'm going to make sure it only notifies me in these hours of the day. That's not how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit is not a vending machine. The Holy Spirit is you are completely surrendering yourself to. And my prayer, I'm going to end with this, is that each and every one of us that follows Jesus, that we say, I'm going to surrender my entire being to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to surrender my entire life to Him. Why don't you stand? You and I were designed to be occupied. You and I were designed to be filled, to be shaped, and to be formed. And I know in this room right now, we have people that are brand new to the faith. It's been fun on most weeks. I meet someone that just gave their life to Jesus. And my favorite, they never owned a Bible. I'm like, don't worry, I'll go get one for you right now. I love and I love that moment. I'm really, they're, they're being handed the most valuable body of literature and text in all of time right now is in their hand. So I understand we have people that are brand new to the faith. And I understand we have people in this space. You've been following Jesus your entire life. And this conversation on the spirit is not an unfamiliar one. But I, I have a feeling if that's you, something deep in you longs for more. And tonight was merely just trying to scratch the itch or stir the pot a little. And to look at it from a very different perspective. The Holy Spirit is moving through all the dimensions. 
to be with you. And then there are others of you, you don't, you've never followed Jesus. You never said yes to him. You're like, I don't know. And so I understand we have people in all these different spaces. So I'm just going to pray a very simple, broad prayer. But my goal is to cover each person in this room. Father, I thank you for this conversation, this chat, this talk, and this moment that we're in as a, as a people, not just as studio, but as people in this country at this point in human history. We know we live in a volatile, confusing, chaotic time, but we also know you're up to something huge. And I pray tonight that as a church, as a family, as people, that we'd recognize the Spirit lives in us to help us to know you, to help us to follow you, and to see the kingdom come. And I pray that as we enter into this next season of the summer and the fall and the rest of this year, that we be a people that would be leaning in even more so. We'd be recognizing any space inside of us that's not occupied by you, that you would fill that space so we could know you, follow you, and see the kingdom come. And so I just pray for this to be a beautiful season of going deeper together and recognizing the role and the power of the Spirit of God resident and active in our life. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to today's talk. For more information, you can always go to our website, which is studiogreenville.com, or check out our Instagram, which is studio.greenville, and you can follow along for all the latest happenings and updates. Other than that, have a great week, and we'll see you soon.